Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We all month been talking about prayer. We have been in a series called Come and Talk to Me. Come and Talk to Me. Um, and it's all about the fact that God, man, He wants to talk to us. That's a message all by itself. Did you hear me what I say? God wants to talk to us. And that all by itself is incredibly powerful. You understand that God created everything, <laughs> including you. And the God that created everything wants to have regular communication with you. Just sit in that for a second. The God that created everything would like to talk to you. See, you're not able to fully grasp that because you think that, like, duh, of course he wants to talk to me. I'm me. Why wouldn't he want to talk to me? We need a different heart posture. We need to understand that it's a privilege, an honor to talk to him. And not only do we get to talk to him, but he listens to us. Wow. That when Jesus came and died and the veil was ripped in half, it was symbolic of the lines of communication between us and a holy God being opened. We can never get so comfortable with that fact that we take it lightly. It is a privilege to pray to a holy God. Sometimes we treat it like the appetizer. We treat it like it's a preview. A little something on the side of this thing we call Christianity. One of my favorite communicators of the gospel, Dr. Tony Evans, says it like this. Prayer is not the pregame, it is the game. <laughs> it is not the pre-battle, it's the war. It's at the center of our faith. Everything that we want to do, we'll try to do, we're trying to figure out how to do, we have to get there through prayer. It's something that we can't engage passively. It's something that we can't engage randomly. It's something that must be an intentional centerpiece of our lives. We need prayer like we need oxygen, when we really need oxygen, don't we? That's how much we need prayer, but we don't do it.
because we don't have a high enough value of what prayer actually does for our lives. Because if we had a high enough value, if we really thought we need prayer just as much as we need oxygen, we would pray about everything. We would never cease. We would never stop praying to God. We think as long as we're doing Christian things, we're on point. Some of us treat prayer like a box on our Christian report card that we need to check. The problem with that is that mentality speaks to religion and not a relationship. Because when you're just trying to achieve prayer, you don't have the same results, you don't have the same intimacy that you do when you are trying to live prayer. Because when you're living prayer, you're basing it all on your relationship with your heavenly father. How many people are married in the house today? Raise your hand. Hopefully you're sitting next to your spouse. How, how long do you think your marriage would last if y'all only talk to each other every now and then? I heard all the wives say, ooh. <laughs> it's the same thing with your prayer life. The strength, the intimacy, the closeness of your relationship with your heavenly father is predicated on how much time you spend with him. How much time are you spending with God versus time spent scrolling Instagram? How much time are you spending with God compared to how much time you spend watching reality TV? That ain't reality. Just a comparative analysis. See, we know how to talk a good game, but the problem is in the kingdom talk is cheap. We can find a perfect example of that in James, the second chapter. Because in James 2, James, the brother of Jesus, says this starting at the 18th verse. Now, some may argue, some people have faith Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. In other words, James is saying talk is cheap, bruh. In verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. I love James because he's so savage. He said, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in fear. How foolish. I mean, he keeps being savage on them like, y'all think y'all something, and y'all ain't. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Some versions say faith without works is dead. 
Verse 21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God? How many want to be right with God? Well, he was shown to be right with God, not by his words, but by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. Somebody say together. His actions made his faith complete. I read all that to get you here. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. This is the best part right here. He was even called the friend of God. Does anybody want on their resume friend of God? Am I the only one that would love for heaven to recognize me as a friend of God? So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. I'm going to read 23 again because I don't think y'all got it. And so it happened. Just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. Today, I'm going to talk to you from a message called Friends with Benefits. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just honor you in this moment. We desire to be more like you in this moment. Speak directly to our hearts that we may be transformed and become more like you as a result of an encounter with you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends with benefits. I don't know if you know this, but last weekend we turned six months old. Come on. We did it, y'all. Six months old. Well, 12 months ago, I was freaking out. Because I knew God called my wife and I to plant a church in Aurora, but I didn't know how to do it. I've been a pastor a long time. I've just never been a lead pastor. And so to be a pastor and start a church has a unique set, set of circumstances that you have to figure out all at the same time. So I was excited and clueless. Come on. Can y'all be honest? Have y'all ever been excited about something and still don't know what the heck you're doing? That was me. <laughs> and so I have this friend. His name's Anthony O'Neill. He's, he's famous, right? He used to work for Dave Ramsey. Now he's doing his own thing. And I was telling him, like, yo, God told us to start this church. But I don't know what I'm doing, bro. But I'm excited. He was like, check it, check it, check it. He was like, because he was living in, in, in Nashville at the time. He was like, yo, next weekend, I'm going over to Baltimore. I'm going to go see my boy, uh, uh, Stephen Chandler. He's got an awesome job. I'm like, yeah, I know Stephen. Man, I've been watching him for years. He was like, bro, if you get there, I'll introduce you. I was like, for real? Like, don't have me buy this plane ticket, bro, and, and, and you can't introduce me. He's like, nah, just get here, and I got you. So I told my wife, we got the plane ticket, and I got to meet him. I got to hang out with him. 
and he started giving me wisdom. The first thing he gave me was a rebuke. For all my aspiring leaders out there, if you can't rebuke them, you can't build with them. Just tuck that in your back pocket. So I had like these ideas and his plans. I said, so like, boom, check it. Boom, 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 boom. He was like, nah, you're not finna do that. What you finna do is X, Y, and Z. And so I showed up to this meeting with a bunch of questions and I left with a bunch of answers. And to this day, Stephen is my mentor. And I never would have made that connection with him had it not been for my friend, Anthony. Because all he did was say, hey, Stephen, this is talent. And he just got out the way. And I was able to connect with a person that I needed to connect on this journey that helped Ty and I to do this thing that God had us to do with some sense in our heads. Because how many know God will call you to do something just to see where your faith lies? Rarely does he tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and what the whole journey is going to look like. He's just going to tell you, hey, Abraham, come here. I need you to leave your father and your household and go to a land that I will show you, end quote. Just go. Because he wants to see where your faith lies. The thing that made Abraham known to the entire universe to be a friend of God is because of his relationship with him. And his relationship with God was based on his obedience to God. And his obedience to God was based on his prayer life. He was having steady communication with God about the steps that he was supposed to take, and he just kept obeying. But here's the thing, he wouldn't know what to do if he wasn't talking to God. Some of you are walking through 24 hours, seven days a week, clueless, because you're not talking to God. You're talking to your homies. You're talking to your homegirl. You're talking to Oprah. You're talking to, never mind. You're talking to everyone except God. And that's why you're stuck, because you don't understand how powerful prayer is. But listen, it's not simply for answers. Prayer is about much more than getting an answer or getting a miracle. Those things happen in prayer, yes, but it's much more than that. It's about being with him. Prayer is about being in his presence. Don't you understand what happens when you're in his presence? Every trouble, problem, situation disappears in his presence. Even if it's momentary, there is power just being in his presence. And the reason he wants you to come and talk to him is because he has what you need when you come to him. God is not a bully. He doesn't barricade his way into your life. 
He doesn't barricade his way into your problems. He doesn't barricade his way into your decisions. He's waiting for an invitation for you. Simply put, prayer is a way for real people to talk with a real God about real issues. It's an avenue and a means for you to get heaven's opinion on the matter. And can I tell you that there is no better opinion on the matter than the opinion that comes from heaven. It's why we need a prayer life. It's why it's not just something we say over our food. That is a prayer, and you should pray over your food. But that's not it. It's not just some nightly ritual we do before we go to bed. You should. But that's not it. Prayer is being in his presence. And you have to ask yourself, why don't I want to be in his presence? Because that's what you're saying when you decide not to pray. You're saying, I've got better things to do than to be in his presence. I've got better ideas about this than he does. That's what you communicate when you forsake, when you put off, when you prolong prayer. You need prayer because prayer has benefits. See, when you, when you use prayer in its proper context, there are things that come your way that are super valuable. Because prayer is like a friend with benefits. So I'm just going to give you three quick benefits that come when you make prayer your friend. The first one is peace. Somebody say peace. Can anybody use a little bit of peace in this crazy world that we live in today? In Matthew 11, it says, and Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You don't have to remain weary. Listen, we will not be able to escape the troubles of this world. God promised us that there are going to be troubles, that there are going to be trials, there are going to be tribulations. But he also told us that we don't have to carry it ourselves. He says, I'm available to help you with that. But God doesn't just show up and snatch it off of our back if we don't invite him in. That's why it said, come to me. Come to me. He's waiting for you to come to him. Bring it to him. And how do you get it there? You get it there through peace, excuse me, through prayer. And because of your prayers, you will find peace. The discipline of prayer doesn't produce 
any old kind of peace. Though. It doesn't produce the fleeting or superficial kind of peace. It produces true peace, the peace you feel in your soul. The Bible says it's the type of peace that don't make sense. Because in a lot of situations, the situation is still the situation. But all of a sudden, you don't feel so bad about the situation, even though the situation is still the situation. Because what he gave you may have not been the answer to the situation, but he gave you peace to make it through the situation. And peace can be better than an answer sometimes. You don't believe that, so let me help you. Some of y'all are on jobs that you pray for that you currently hate. And what you doing right now? Praying for another one. So sometimes answers just lead to another prayer. Some of y'all married, never mind, let me. But answers aren't always better than the peace that God can provide you. Sometimes life is going to hit you with something that won't be answered immediately. But if God grants you peace through the power of prayer, you will have endurance and stamina to make it through the situation. And what does that become? It becomes a testimony of the goodness of Jesus. That even in this troubled, imperfect situation, you continue to lift your hands. Even though the situation didn't get fixed overnight, you continue to worship a holy God, that makes you a living testimony. That's why sometimes you just need to pray for peace. God, grant me your peace. When we find peace for the soul, our circumstances might not change, but our souls find peace. Here, let's go to John in 14. I am leaving you with a gift. This is Jesus talking. And remember, anytime you receive something from Jesus, from God, from the Holy Spirit. It's something that you should value. And what's that gift that he's talking about? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. Those are two different things. You can be troubled about something because you lack peace, you lack understanding, you didn't get the answer, and you can be fearful at the same time. And God is saying that if you come to me, if you pray to me, I can give you a peace that will take away the trouble and the fear at the same time. Because peace can take you much further than an answer can. Because a peace can give you the energy that you need to step out on faith. Somebody say, faith, faith. We can never lose our faith. If we just had all the answers, we would become so prideful to think that we don't need anything else from him. So sometimes he doesn't give you the answer. He just gives you the peace so that you have the ability to take a step of faith. Jesus knew these disciples were anxious. He's talking to the disciples right before he's about to go. Can you imagine how these disciples felt? We've read the Bible 
and we know how things have gone, but just put yourself in real time in that moment for them. They forsook their entire lives to follow him for three long years. And they followed him because they have been hearing over and over and over again that this king was coming that was going to help them to get in their rightful place as a people. So when they are thinking, they, they, they know the battles of David and they know all the kings of their past and all the wars that they fought and won. And so in their mind, they're like, yeah, we about to take over. We about to take this world by storm. Where are we going next, Jesus? Well, actually, I'm leaving. You're going to stay. I'm out. Can you imagine how they felt like, what? That's not what I thought. I thought he was about to take over for the 99 and the 2000. You leaving? And so they had some nerves. They were fearful because they didn't know what was going to happen next. All of a sudden, what they had in their mind changed. Has God ever changed the plans on you? Have you ever thought you knew you was going the right way, then all of a sudden God hit you with the remix? And sometimes the remix is like, what do you mean, sir? I thought we were going this way. I thought we were going to do this thing. I thought it was just you and me forever, Jesus. I wanted to sit at your right hand. I thought we was going to have like these thrones and people was going to bow to us and we was going to be the revolutionaries that, that, that had the good news that was going to take over the world. All that was true, but the method that they had in their mind was not accurate. It was about to change. And doesn't change make you nervous sometimes? Makes me nervous. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Is that okay? Listen, when I was in high school, you couldn't have told me that I was not going to the NFL. You couldn't. I would have called you a liar. I was pretty good at football. I loved football. And when people ask me, yo, what you want to do? I said, NFL. Why are you asking? Duh, can't you see what I'm doing out here on this field? Then all of a sudden, by the time I became a senior, I ain't like football no more. I've been playing for years. I got a box full of scholarship letters. And I don't want to play anymore. What was that? That was the remix. I said, nah. And so I went into the military. And I fell in love with it. I mean, I was reading all the books. I was like, I was going to be the next Colin Powell. I was. You couldn't have told me different. I would have called you a liar. And what happened? God hit me with the remix. Now, now let me tell you something, man. These remixes were not making sense to me. And I struggled. I struggled. It don't make no sense for a kid to have a box of scholarship letters and never take one visit. I mean, I didn't go visit. Nope. I said, I ain't doing it. Then I go into this new career. I fall in love, and I'm going up the ranks like quick, quick, quick. And God says, it's over. I'm 
right now. Why, why, why? I have a brand new wife and a newborn son. No degree and no plan. You just want to leave? Can you at least tell me a little bit more? No. And so begrudgingly, I got out, and I figured out the rest. He showed me the rest along the way. So then the new thing he wanted me to do was to go into education. So I'm like, bet. I'm be the dopest teacher ever. Then one day I'm going to be the assistant principal, and then I'm going to be the principal, and the superintendent is on the way. I'm going to change education forever. And then what happened? Come on. Got hit with the remix. Listen, y'all. Y'all don't understand. I'm not making this up. My last year in education was my worst year in education. I mean, I hated going to work. All of a sudden, I'm on this ascension. Like, I, I, I did the teacher. Then I became the dean. And now I'm the assistant principal. And the next step is principal. And God was like, mm, look up, look up, look up. Now, here's the thing. By this point, I'm kind of getting used to the remixes. <laughs> but I'm just trying to get you to understand that sometimes when God hits you with something, it ain't going to make sense at the natural level. What he wants to know is do you trust him at the spiritual level to know that everything you need at the natural level will be found in your obedience at the spiritual level. God is sovereign. That's a big old fancy Bible word that means he gets to do what he want to do, when he want to do it, to who he want to do it to. And that includes you. So that's where these disciples were. They got hit with the remix. And they ain't like it. They's a little nervous. They's a little afraid. Jesus knew they were anxious about the future, and he wanted to remind them, just like he wants to remind us, that the antidote to our anxiety was not an external change of the situation. It is what it is. No matter how much they pleaded, no matter how much Peter was like, no, Lord, no, let it not be so. The external situation is what it is. But the key to the anxiety being lifted was an internal exchange of peace for their anxiety. So sometimes what you are up against may not change. I don't want to give you no cupcake theology up here. Sometimes you're going to have to persevere through challenges. But you find the ability to persevere through those challenges when you come to the Lord and he gives you peace. In both these passages that we read, Jesus portrays himself as the source of our peace. When was the last time that instead of asking God for an answer, you just said, Lord, can you please just give me a peace? Because a peace is one of the benefits of prayer. Philippians 4 and 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need. Stop telling your homegirl what you need before you tell God what you need. You need friends. Friends are important. But I'd rather be known as a friend of God than a friend of sister such and such. And brother, what's his name? I want to be a friend of God first. And thank him for all he has done. Verse 7, thank, th excuse me, then you will experience God's peace. Somebody say peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Every time we began to worry, you know what we do? We keep worrying. Then we worry some more. And our worry gets deeper. And our anxiety gets wider. Whenever you feel that worry, that should be an alarm. Like, whoa, 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 whoa let me go pray. Stop letting it take you away from the throne of God and start letting it push you to his altar. Worry is going to come. You can't avoid it. But you do not have to live in it. Worry is natural. Problems arise. But let that be the alarm that says, uh-oh, it's time for a little bit of prayer. When you pray like this, the, prayer, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard you in Christ. In other words, you'll, ex you'll experience peace in the midst of chaos. I don't know who's got some chaos in their lives right now. But God wants you to know that despite what's happened externally, internally, he's willing, ready, and able to give you the peace that you need, even in the midst of it. So the first benefit is peace. The second benefit is purpose. Say purpose. That is a heck of a word. If you look up that word, you're going to find all kinds of definitions about purpose. All kind of books written on purpose. But the Bible affirms human purpose in two ways. First, there's the general purpose of the human race. Do you know what the general purpose of the human race is? To worship God. So if you don't know what your individual purpose is, at least you can know this much. I, sh I was created to worship him. Now, that's the general purpose that we all have, but we each as individuals have an individual purpose on this earth. We were created for something, to do something that only we can do. And it's up to us to do it. So peace refers to the assurance that God has a plan, but purpose refers to the part of that plan that we have to play. Did you know that you have a part to play? Did you know that everything don't just happen to you? Everything ain't a supernatural download that you're going to have to get up, get out, and get something? That's purpose. I'll say it like this. If your prayers rarely lead to action, you're doing it wrong. So you shouldn't just come out of prayer and just like... Waiting on the, the windows of heaven to open pour me out a blessing that I don't have room to receive. No, prayer should lead you to action. Sometimes that action is to not move. I remember I was asking God one time, should I stay or should I go? And he didn't answer it. What I saw 
as a vision was just a black screen. And I knew that meant don't make a move. But that was my action, was to not make a move. But you should, in prayer, find actions that you should take. So there's a little, little, little steps that we should take as we pray into purpose. The first thing we got to know is we pray according to his will. First John says it like this, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So our confidence isn't from the empty words that are coming from our mouth. Our confidence is that we are praying into something that pleases him because we pray according to his will. And then we ask for his heavenly purposes to come to pass. We read this a couple weeks ago in Luke. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. So when you're praying, it can't all be about you and what you think. Even Jesus prayed for himself about his situation, but he concluded the matter by saying, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then we know and follow his voice. And John 10 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Or are you still confused when he's speaking to you versus when you're speaking to you or worse, when the devil is speaking to you? That can become a point of prayer. Lord, help me to know your voice. Lord, help me to focus on what it is that you're saying to me. Help me to block out all distractions that I may know your will. And then we have to know that he created good works for us to walk into. Do you know that? That's the enemy's agenda to get you to think that you don't have a purpose. To get you confused, to think that you're disqualified or that you are less than important. But the truth is, you were called. You were created for good works. Ephesians 2 says, we are God's masterpiece. Not his throwaway, not his accident, but his masterpiece. Everything about you, the master created. He has called us according to his purpose. Somebody say his purpose. I know you have some things that you want to do. I know you have some ideas in your head, some goals, some dreams, some aspirations. But the best thing you can do to ask him, is this your purpose for me? I mean, this, this sounds really good in my estimation, but is this your purpose? Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. His purpose for them. Not only do you have a purpose, but you got to know that um, his purpose is better. Are you okay with that? That even though you got some ideas, his purpose is better. His idea for your life is better. So the first benefit is that we have peace. Second benefit is that we have purpose. The third benefit is perspective. Sometimes we just need a better perspective on our situation, and that's good enough to change everything. 
Sometimes our problems seem so huge because we have the wrong perspective. I was in Birmingham a couple of weeks ago and I, I got to go up on this like mountain and just seeing this view changed everything. Like I was so high up that I could see the entire city. And it made everything look this small. That's what happens when we go to God in prayer. He elevates our perspective and helps us to see things through his eyes, from his point of view. And those troubles just start to go away. They start to get smaller and smaller and smaller. We can find this in Job. Job is, is an ancient book of poetry and it, and, and, and it talks about Job and his story and the first two chapters are about the fact that like overnight he went from the man having everything that anybody could ever want to having nothing. And those first two chapters also tell us that this calamity was not his fault. He didn't do nothing and lost everything. And then the next, the book of the, the, the bulk of the book from chapters 3 through 37 is just a bunch of conversations and debates that Job is having with himself, with his friends, with God. And these friends, just, they just, have you ever had friends that mean well but say the wrong thing? Like you'd be like, you could have kept that. Like that, I do not feel better because you said that. And so Job was going through this over and over and over again. His friends were trying to convince him, trying to help him investigate himself. Like, bro, what did you do? Because according to, his, to their theology, bad things are the result of bad choices. The only reason these bad things could have happened to you is because you along the way made some really bad choices. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of added stress on top of an already stressful situation. He lost his wife, he lost his kids, lost his business, lost everything. And now he got these boils all over himself. He's miserable. And they're saying, bro, what did you do? This is clearly your fault. Because they were speaking from their limited perspective. Sometimes the people around us aren't in position to help us to grow because the people around us are limited in their perspective. That's why it's important that you maintain this conversation and relationship and communication with God because he's going to give you heaven's perspective on the matter. And it's going to be so much greater if you listen to heaven. And that's what Job had to do. Because the conversation got to a certain point, God just, God just listening like, okay, y'all done? You get all the way to 38 and he says, this is God talking back to them. Because God's savage too. He said, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind bar gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come.
Here you proud waves must stop. That's a different perspective. He said, I put the water here, there, told the waves how far they was going to go and when they was going to stop. So what y'all talking about? Sometimes you just need heaven to remind you. I'm the God of the universe. And I got you. And sometimes when God raises your perspective, even the stuff that don't make sense seems small. And when God raises your perspective long enough and often enough, you get quite used to doing things that don't make sense to people with lower perspectives. Their limited point of view no longer becomes relevant. You're able to let it go in one ear and out the other and just smile like, oh, for real? Mm. Yo, Mom, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Little did they know that you have heaven in mind and you can see things from an elevated place and what they're saying, even if it's well-meaning, doesn't compute because you're heavenly-minded. The greater the pain, the more you should pray. This is what Jesus did. In Luke 22, this is how we'll close. Jesus had his back up against the wall. He's perfect. He's God. But he's also 100% man. And he wasn't feeling the idea of getting up on that cross. And it said, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Did you catch the connection? It said, being in anguish, his anguish caused him to pray more earnestly. So don't let pain push you in the wrong direction. If the pain is getting stronger, then your prayers need to become more fervent. Because when he prayed, he was able to get up from that place and say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And he got up and he was able to do what needed to be done because he got a higher perspective. What he had to do was painful in the moment. Please understand that he felt every ounce of that pain. Just because he was God, didn't he, did, he chose not to eliminate himself from feeling all of it. The nails, the whips, the thorns, the ridicule, he felt all of it. But he was able to endure all of it because when he prayed, he got a higher perspective. That higher perspective was you. He was able to do what needed to be done in that moment because heaven reminded him that you were going to need him to accomplish that work. Did the situation change? Did the cross go away? Did the whip get put away? Did the nails get put away? Did the thorns get put away? No. But because he got heaven's perspective, he was able to walk through every part because his perspective shifted to you. His perspective shifted to me. And he found that perspective in prayer how much more should you be praying for heaven's perspective?
he was God. And he found perspective in prayer. Can I remind you of something? You ain't God. You just 100% human. And that's it. But you have this gift called prayer. You have access to a holy God because you have prayer available to you. And so that's why it's so important that you put the proper amount of value on prayer. It's a beautiful, awesome friend. Point to yourself and say, prayer is my friend. Prayer is my friend. It's not just something that I see Christians do. Prayer is my friend. And it's a friend with benefits. Can we stand? If you do this with a pure heart, you pursue God in prayer like you've never done before, you'll find peace. If you do this, you'll find that purpose. If you do this, you'll find a higher perspective. You'll find heaven's perspective on the matter. You need this. We need this. Prayer has to become the center of your life. It's not a part. It's a center piece. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.